a world of opportunity. There are certain individuals who take the leap into uncharted waters. The brave souls who go beyond the status quo and challenge old school ways of thinking. They are the entrepreneurs. Join your host, Reggie B, each week as he uncovers stories of perseverance, new perspectives, and the secrets of success through candid conversation with those who struck out on their own and survived. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, Reggie B. Hey, Entrepreneur Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Entrepreneur 101 from concept to exit and everything in between. Listen, we've got a great show for you today. I'm excited about this gentleman sitting on to my, my left. Brandon Rogers. Brandon is joining us. Just newly transplanted to Denver, Colorado. Uh, we were just talking. I'm a big, uh, you know, Broncos fan. So uh, he's he's from Minnesota, but we won't we won't talk <laughs> him about that. But anyhow, you know, um, in Denver, Colorado. But let me tell you about Brandon. First of all, you know, he's mid twenties. I won't go with his age unless he wants to. But he is a founder of Level Sportswear. It's the first asymmetrical sportswear brand. He's a former basketball trainer, scout. I know he played a little bit in college. He grew up in Tokyo, Japan. So there's a story in itself. And the big kicker here is Brandon started his company, A, during COVID. Why not? Nothing better to do. And B, no prior entrepreneurial experience or fashion experience. So, hey, who says you got to know what the hell you're doing? Got to have a background in what you're doing to get started in business. So, listen, with that being said, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited about this. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to 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 share my background when most people hear Japan, they see me and hear me and hear me talk and they don't really believe me at first, but it's a cool it's a cool backstory and we can get into that and then obviously the business as well and yeah. kind of a, an unusual time to start during COVID, but there's, there's reasons behind it. So we can get into that as well. Yeah. And we're going to touch on that because, you know, everybody looks at, and while, while we're talking about it, let's just touch on it here for a second. Everybody, I, I know a lot of, you know, people who are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs, they're, they're looking for that perfect time. They're looking for that right time. Oh, things just aren't in place. And that if you can do it during COVID, I mean, shit, you can do it anytime. So, so let's mm-hmm. stop with the excuses and, let, and let's see, you know, if Brandon can give some, uh, some good advice here. So like you said, the backstory. And I always like to start with the backstory. I like to find out, you know, pre-entrepreneur, who is this guy? You know, what was his background and what led him to where he is today to become an entrepreneur? So let's talk a little bit about your background. You know, you grew up in in Tokyo. Parents are international teachers. You take the story from there. Let us know. Yeah. So let's let's actually back up a little bit further. My parents are from the Midwest. Both My mom's from Minnesota. Dad's from South Dakota. When they met in college, mom kind of dragged dad overseas they were both educators and she said i want to travel let's go overseas so they started in rome italy were there for a few years taught there for um i believe three years and then went to malaysia um where i was born stayed there for a few more years and when i was just over a year old they relocated to tokyo japan so almost two years old i i go you know from two till 18 graduated from high school over there and looking back on it now, I didn't really pay much attention to the culture and the fashion and the style that was all around me. But I think that that played a little bit of a role in in, in how unique this brand is and how I'm always trying to test the boundaries a little bit, a lot like Japanese fashion designers do. Absolutely. um, Or even just Japanese culture in general. So it was pretty cool. I didn't really appreciate it growing up. Now I would love to go back and, and, you know, dig my feet into every, every, everything that, you know, the culture has to offer. I miss the food a ton and we can talk about that a little bit, but (laughs) yeah, I went to an American school. Um, so you can tell by the accent, it was, you know, surrounded by American, American expats. Um, so we, uh, we got to travel a lot as a kid, which was awesome. I got to have a ton of really interesting experiences and, you know, not a lot of what Americans get to experience. So I'm very grateful for that. And We were so close to Southeast Asia, so we got to see anything from you know a first world country like Tokyo or Japan all the way down to some of the third world countries out there. And it makes you really appreciative for what you have and yeah. really try to capitalize on your situation so that um, you know it could be a lot worse. So graduated from 
high school there and then went to play college basketball in the US. Right. Um, there's a little bit of an in-between story there, which led me to my first job after college, which we can get into uh, at a, in a little bit. But yeah. Played four years uh, of basketball at Marymount University. It's a s- small D3 school just outside D.C. Right. Um, in Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. Majored in business, concentration in marketing. Um, graduated from there in 2019 and started working for this basketball organization. And that's kind of what led me to realize the need for the products that we're going to be talking about uh, right. that, that we sell right now. So. Right. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting backstory. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could take any part of that and, and dive deep into it. You know, it's, um, it surprises me that, uh, how, how in tune your subconscious can be, like you say, you didn't really appreciate what was going on in Tokyo. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, leaders in anything, uh, you know, they're always a few years ahead of us and, how much influence that may have had, even though you didn't realize it. So that's, that's pretty cool that you got to experience Mm -hmm. that. And so were you bilingual at all? I know you went to American schools, but did you have the opportunity to, to learn um, Japanese? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like to say, I like to tell people that didn't go to high school with me that I used to be fluent and I lost it (laughs) since coming here. But anyone that grew up with me would object to that a little bit. I, I took, I took one course after the AP Japanese level. Okay. Um, so I could manage at the time. Um, right. And if, if I go back, it really, you know, comes back to you like that. So uh, anything like transportation, like getting around, ordering food, communicating okay. with someone just about, you know, how's the weather or sim- simple things still come back to me. Right. Um, but I can't write the same essays that I did back in the day. So right. it's, it's, it's true what people say. If you don't, if you don't stay consistent with a language and if you don't use it, it, you lose it immersed in it. Yep. It's yeah. super easy to lose. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of regretful of that. Uh, but you know, thinking what I've gone through thus far since, since college till now, yeah. it's, it would have been pretty difficult for me to find an environment f- to like keep up with it and right, speak it. Right. Yeah. The nature of what I do right now, um, doesn't really require Japanese. It is a cool add-on. It's a, a cool party trick at this point. But right, yeah. um, I think I think if I if I have some time in the, in the distant future, I want to try and learn Spanish or Chinese at some point. So right. maybe maybe add to the repertoire there a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So you ended up going to college for business. You said, yeah. Was, was it there that you? kind of thought, you know, you wanted to be an entrepreneur or you, it was really just, Hey, I got to take something. I'm playing basketball. So I got to take something. Um, but did the entrepreneur bug bite then? Was it earlier? Was it after you got out of college? What happened there? Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great question. I actually went to college. I was more focused on marketing than I was on the business side. So I work for a marketing agency full-time right now. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into, but I was more leaning towards like I was very inspired as a kid to make commercials and I loved humorous commercials. I love the NBA commercials and the NFL, you know, the fantasy football commercials. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love that stuff growing up. So I I was dead set on getting into marketing and then working for a large agency or even a franchise that would, that would develop that. Obviously as a kid, your dreams don't always amount to what they they are, you know? So yeah. Took a little, a few, a few turns there. Um, I stayed in basketball after college a little bit, but um, now I work in marketing full time. But I'm actually considering going back to school again for uh, either industrial design or mechanical engineering because from building this business and you know growing up, I always loved to build things. My dad is a big, a big DIYer. Um, okay. yeah. he, they they have since retired and now live in Minnesota um, on a lake house, and our garage is full of wood. So right. he's a big craftsman. If yeah. we need something fixed in the house, he's going to fix it. And so I kind of grew up with that. And I'm realizing more and more now that I've always loved to build things. I love to build businesses. I love to right. build products, unique products, right? Um, products that stand out in a market, in a saturated market, yeah. um, and products that provide value for people. So I, I tested the waters with this business and I, I'm loving it. So I, I think I... I'm leaning more towards going back to school for, like I said, industrial design or mechanical engineering. So right. that's, that's in the future. I don't, I don't have any set plans right now. I have a few meetings with professors at schools in the area, but it's still pretty preliminary. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, and you know, there's, there's lots to be said about constantly learning. 
you know, and I think mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, we always are because we're always looking, you know, whether it's to better what we're doing or branch out into something else. So mm-hmm. when, when you've got that, you know, desire inside you to to constantly learn, that's that's what pushes entrepreneurs, you know, to be successful, not only in one area of life, but, you know, in, in their personal life, in their business life. Mm-hmm. So that that's great. So you came out of college and you were working for a recruiting uh, agency and you traveled around, you know, recruiting people. So from what I understand, that's kind of where you got the, the, the bug for getting into the fashion industry as far as the sports apparel. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of, we got to take it in two parts, right? So sure. the entrepreneurship part was uh, actually the bug hit me on my senior year of college. Okay. I had a friend um, who I met, you know, I think it was junior year, early junior year of college who was younger than me. I think he was a year or two younger and he had come over from Australia and he uh, was very, a very technical founder. And so he started a web design agency in Australia and it grew so big that he was able to relocate. He was taking classes at Marymount and Harvard part-time and his business was worth multi-millions. Right. And he, he proved it to me. He showed me and, and I was just blown away and he kind of lit that flame. Yeah. And I was just so uh, appealed to the autonomy, the ability to bring things from just an idea, like a drawing on a napkin or a paper right. to life, whether it's digital or a physical consumer good. Um, and so I just dove in head first. I started listening to every podcast I could get my hands on. I've checked out every book starting from the Marymount library. And now I have, I think three different library cards from the three different States I've lived <laughs> in, in the last four years. So right. I'm, I'm accumulating and I'm, I'm kind of proud of it, but just getting, you know, like, like you said, a consistent education, right? Lifelong yeah. learner. So, um, and I, I, on that topic, I've picked up a number of, of tools along the way, right? I had to teach myself the full Adobe suite. So Photoshop, Illustrator, Premiere Pro, I use all right. of those tools yeah. to run the business on a consistent basis. Um, and then, you know, more towards like the, the engineering side, getting into like 3D CAD design, self-taught in that. I work in SEO full-time. I know I have a wonderful team that I work with and they've taught me a lot and I've taken a lot of classes and coding courses on the side. So you really have to be completely self-taught, even paid Absolutely. media, right? I'm going to start running ads for my business and I have to learn how Facebook ads manager works and TikTok ads, ads accounts. So yeah. it's, it's, it's daunting at first, but if you try to take it just one day at a time, um, it's a lot more manageable. And one of the things that I always recommend to founders, whether you're, you know, mid to late stage, or even just like thinking of an idea, always try to document what you do during the day. And so, and it doesn't have to be detailed. It can just be, you know, pull out your phone, go on the notes app and hit text to speech and just talk about what you did that day, whether it's personal or business related. And so I've been doing that for the past two years and I had to actually offboard a lot of that trans those transcriptions to a Google a Google Doc account because my notes app was starting to glitch out because I had so much text. <laughs> so there. much in there, right? Turns out it's over two hundred pages now. And wow. so when I go to look back on a year ago, I can't believe how little I knew, how yeah. much I've taught myself, how much I've learned from just one year, right? Yeah. And and you think it's so difficult to just like learn how to build a Shopify store or learn how to run some ads or create, you know, uh, content so much easier. Now I just laugh at myself looking back, you know, it's, it's, you have to be a lifelong learner. So digressing, but I, that's how I got into entrepreneurship was through that friend of mine. And then um, after college, I started working for a basketball recruiting agency. They also ran camps. So the, the whole business model was we would, contact athletic directors at international schools all over the world, um, which is how I actually got recruited to Marymount back in the day. So that's how I I had a relationship with the business and the the founder already. So he hired me and I'm now in charge of setting up camps all over the world. So I was going anywhere from Dubai, Bangkok, Thailand, Ecuador, Colombia. You know, we had camps in Barcelona, South South Africa. Um, It was awesome. And Japan as well. I got to go back to Japan. So Um, It was there in those camps that I started to notice a lot of high school boys and girls basketball players cutting their full length compression tights with scissors. 
And a lot of them can't cut very well. So it was pretty obvious. <laughs> right. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm really into entrepreneurship. And the um I I I I felt like I could do that as a first product. You know, there's a lot of things like if you're going to build a, a, a fintech company or a B2B SaaS product, you have to be pretty technical and you have to know what you're doing. Right. A, a, an apparel brand is a pretty good way to ease yourself in. And, you know, I say that now and, and I am was fortunate that I was so naive at the time yeah. because it's, it's ridiculously challenging now, <laughs> but um, I'm glad I was because I took that leap and through those athletes, I was able to get that extra push that I needed. Like, oh, okay, if I build this, there's actually a market already for it, right? right. And then I started to notice NBA players doing it and WNBA players doing it. And even, even still to this day, I am still trying to contact Jason Tatum on the Celtics because he wears cut compression tights. Right. And, you know, I, I have ins with, you know, uh, Javante Green on the, on the, the Chicago Bulls. So we've got him some pairs and we have Dane Smith in the professional lacrosse league wearing some products. So it's, we're starting nice. to make inroads into professional sports, but I knew that the market was there. And then I had to tackle the challenge of, okay, got the product, got the concept. Now, how do I get a prototype that I'm actually proud of and people will actually pay for and not return. So right. that's right. how those two, you know, the, the, the fashion or product side and then the entrepreneurship side kind of mesh together and then the pandemic hit and I was like, I'm not traveling anymore. Might as well, might as well, you know, stay busy with, with this, this concept and try to find some manufacturers, um, wherever in the world. And I, I went through, I think seven or eight different factories from Australia, Sri Lanka, China, Pakistan, um, and then the U S as well. Right. So it's, and a, a few more I'm missing, but it yeah, was I a, Sorry, and, and, and I want to stop you there before we go further because I do want to get into that. I want to take kind of take, you know, let's take it from, as you see, you know, the kind of the tagline of the show is from concept to exit and everything in between. And you've mm -hmm. done that, not so much the exit part because that's something a lot of entrepreneurs don't think of, right? Why, why the hell would I want to think about selling my baby? But when the big boys come knocking, sometimes the, the, the check has a lot of zeros on it. So, but... You know what? You said a couple of things there that I, I wanted to back up on first before we get into this. And and one, A, I'm I'm impressed that somebody in their mid-20s know what the hell a library card is because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't know 20-year-olds actually uh, entered foot into a library. So kudos to you. But um, one thing you said there that I think is very important and I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is when you're living it day to day, and things aren't moving, shit's not progressing, whatever, it can be frustrating. But like you said, you didn't realize how much in one year you had actually learned and how much you accomplished. And you probably wouldn't realize it if you hadn't taken those notes. So I love that idea. I think that mm -hmm. is great. I'm going to recommend it to people where... Like you said, we've all got one of these damn things, you know, oh, you can't see it, but the phone, right? Right. Sitting by our side. Utilize it. It's not just for scrolling damn TikTok and Instagram and all this stuff. Utilize the tools. So simple. Make notes of your day. A lot mm -hmm. of people do journaling, but that is just, just as easy. Do the, mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that you shared that because then, like you say, you look back and you say, holy shit. I'm a little further than I thought I was, and I'm a hell of a lot smarter than I was a year ago. So, yeah. So good on you. I appreciate you sharing that. So, mm -hmm. so I wanted to get into, you know, what like you talked about manufacturers, and, and I, I want to talk about how, how you actually, you know, got a hold of some of these people and where you even started looking. But so, you you got the idea, and then COVID hit. What did your family think? You know, when, when you told them, hey, I'm going to become a fashion guru, <laughs> uh, what did your family and friends and, uh, think about your idea? Well, so I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty rare in that I have incredibly supportive parents and grandparents. So, right. and my grandparents have, you know, invested a okay. little, like more on the donation side to help yeah, yeah. fund the business a little bit. Yeah. So, um, because like I said, I was a recent college graduate. I had $2,000 in my bank account when I started the business. Right. And most of that had to go to rent and food, right? Yeah, so, because yeah. I'm an ex-athlete, I spend like $500 a month on food alone. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Um, 
Yeah. So, so they were incredibly supportive and they were so supportive that my mom actually helped me. She's a seamstress, right? My dad's on the, the woodworking side. She does okay. the, the sewing and nice. arts and crafts side. Um, so she was able to save up and buy a new sewing machine that we were able to purchase some Nike and Under Armour because I wanted multiple versions. Tried to get some Adidas, but um, the 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 stores where we were at in Minnesota didn't didn't carry any Adidas long compression. So okay. I had to, had to just settle for for Nike and Under Armour. And we actually cut one of the legs off uh, right above the kneecap, and then she was able to hem it um, so that it would function as a similar product as what we sell today. Right, and very very you know rough draft of what we were going to end up, what I was going to end up selling, but I was able to use that. Those, I think we did three Nike and three Under Armour products, right? We bought three pairs of tights each. We had six prototypes to then send to the factories all over the world. And that was their jumping off point as opposed to just sending them a drawing and getting some crazy, crazy, you know what I mean? So like similar material, similar stitching patterns, same waistband, same heat press tag, stuff like that. So um, they were incredible. I actually am prototyping some new products that we're going to be releasing later this year. And I just got back from visiting family for the 4th of July and I brought those prototypes back and I handed it to my dad and uh, just freaked out. He was, he's like, I'm going to buy some of this for myself and I'm going to wear it around the house. So they're incredibly supportive. And like I said, my grandparents too. Yeah. I, I, we used to have a podcast on the, on the, um, associated with the brand and just not enough time for that anymore. So I had right. to stop it after season three, but my grandma's listened to every episode. She texts me questions about it, you know, how I did the research and everything. So she's yeah. awesome. And then they were also, you know, they're, they're close to it. They're, they're long retired. So they, um, were able to help me fund the business a little bit in the early stages. So, right the most supportive yeah no that's that's that i have yeah it's awesome that's great it sure makes it easier i mean you know uh when when you have people in your corner and when you know times get tough and they're Mm -hmm. they're your cheerleaders that can definitely make a big difference because unfortunately too many people don't have that and that's when they end up giving up because there's nobody there believing them and pushing them and saying you know what you got this so yeah um, so that's great so let's talk about okay you got the prototypes right because like i said you know People reaching out to manufacturers, they may not have the, the, the slightest clues. So, so you design the prototype, and then you send it out to different manufacturers. So, kind of talk to me about that. Act A: How do you figure out who these manufacturers are who are going to even think about doing something like this? And how do you approach them? You say, "Hey, my name's Brandon. I have no clue what I'm doing, but you know, yep. make something like this for me." <laughs> yeah. So, going back to my naivety, right? I'm thinking. There's tons of brands that make compression gear, yoga pants, leggings, whatever. This should be no problem. All we're doing is just cutting a leg off. Man, was I wrong that they had some troubles, anything from like questioning my sanity to (laughs) wondering if it's for amputees to, you know, even, even the material, like I had, I have a, I bought a book called Textilepedia and I had to learn about stitching patterns and I had to learn about different materials and, and folds and, you know, custom waistbands and heat press tags. And so, and I've designed our, our heat press tag that we use right now. Uh, I had to design an illustrator. So I'm learning illustrator at the exact same time. So it it sounds overwhelming, right? But again, if you take it one day at a time, if you just write a list of to do's and then don't go to sleep until those to do's are checked off, you'll get, so far in a year. So my first step, like anybody, right? I have a drawing of what I want. And I think I was also pretty good with Photoshop at that point. So I had a rendering on, on a digital rendering on Photoshop. Yeah. I go to Google and I just search up manufacture, like clothing, apparel brand manufacturers near me. Right. And I first found this woman in Philadelphia. And so I think one weekend I just drove up there. I think it was three hours, three or four hours to get there from where I was at, um, just outside DC. And uh, she agreed, she emailed me back, agreed to meet with me. And I showed her the concept and she messed with it a little bit, but she couldn't, she, she didn't really, her, I guess, sewing machine or whatever she was using to develop the prototype wasn't as good as you know i could sell so i was right. like okay this is just a one woman show i'm gonna need to find yeah yeah a larger a larger company you know if this is a larger factory 
history of this is going to work out. So long story short, I, uh, through, you know, Google and networking, right. I was able to find a factory in Pakistan and Australia, both of which I think contacted me through Instagram. So going back to like documenting your journey, I got some really good advice early on to do so, but I, I was told to do so on social media. So I had been documenting my journey. I've since archived those because I want the brand to look a little bit more polished now. Right. But back then I was documenting my journey and obviously everyone comes out of the woodwork. Every factory comes out of the woodwork when someone online is promoting that they need help building apparel. Right. So I was getting messages from all over. So I was like, all right, I'll take a chance on this one factory from Pakistan and one factory from Australia end up getting ghosted by the factory in Australia. Not sure what happened there. Um, Hmm. And then the factory in Pakistan sent me some samples and they were just absolutely terrible. The material was, I think a hundred percent spandex and it was very glossy and not what we were, not what I, what I was looking for. And and the the, the sizing was all off. The waist was huge. The calf was huge, but the the thighs were really tight. So it was kind of weird. Right. And I just gave up on that one because I was like, if I'm going to try and spend, it'll take me hours if I'm trying to correct this, right? I need to have someone that has already built products like this yeah. so that I can just give them this slight iteration and they can hit the ground running. So long story short, Marymount's, one of Marymount's most uh, popular majors is actually fashion merchandising. So I had a lot of friends that now work in the fashion industry. And so right. I reached out to a few of them and I said, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you have any advice? And one of the girls uh, who I'm really good friends with sent me a uh, blog. Like, I think it's an aggregator site. And it's basically just where everyone can gather. I can't remember what the site is called. But what I do remember is there was one company on there that was consistently writing blog posts about developing your first prototype internationally and doing it on a budget. And I noticed that they were writing a ton and they were like experts. And I was like, this is is incredible. This This is who I need to contact. So lo and behold, I reach out to them and they quote me at, I think it was like $3,500. We'll get you a prototype and your uh, that'll be your fee to us for the initial 200 units. And I, I would still have to pay the factory for that that those 200 units as well, but their flat fee was 3,500 and right. we'll help you get set up. So I was like, right. okay, that's fair enough. Um, and I, I like I said, I, I had to take a little bit of investment or donations, I guess, yeah, for my grant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to help fund that because I didn't have that kind of money yet. So we do that. We start working with a factory in Sri Lanka and the factory was fantastic. Um, the only issue was I couldn't have any direct communication with the factory, at least initially, because um, it had to go through right. the sourcing company and they were based right. in Austin, Texas. Um, and they're, they're a fantastic company. So if anybody out there listening to this, I will recommend them. They're, it's Alice James Global, AJG. Um, they're fantastic. They, you know, I think they've expanded. They've hired more, more wonderful designers and um, uh, people that can help you start your business. So right. reach out to them if you're thinking of starting an apparel brand. They're awesome. Um, but then this is when um, the second round of, I guess, COVID was going through Asia. And I got that we we were able to iron out a prototype that I was proud of. And it, it was amazing that day that I opened up yeah. the package from them. And my logo that I had designed was on the pair and it was on the waist waistband. And I was just, I was, I was so pumped because it had oh, been yeah. almost a year, almost a year since I had drawn that initial prototype to when I got a prototype, not even the bulk order, just the right. prototype. Right. So then it was about, I think, a month or two before they had the 200 units and that arrived. And again, I'm freaking out because this is a real deal now. I just <laughs> yeah, spent it's, a lot of it's money. getting real. Yeah. Like I spent a lot of money on this. And so yeah. um, at the same time, right, always got to be proactive as that bulk order is coming. I'm building a website and I'm using those initial prototypes on models to get media for that website. Right. Okay. Yep. The copy and everything. So I had to learn how to use Shopify and there's tons of great videos on there. And I will say that Shopify support is un, un, unmatched. It's incredible. They used to have uh, uh, phone call support. Now I think it's just, um, you can just message back and forth on their website or email them. But right. back back then it was phone call support. And so they were able to just walk me through everything on the phone. It was incredible. They were incredibly nice. helpful. Good. So got the website built, got the 200 units in, 
and start selling and they sell out in about three or four months. And I was, I'm not doing any, I still am not doing any paid advertising. So that was all through um, TikTok, SEO and word of mouth. And right. I, I was going to as many AAU tournaments as I could get the, get in the door with. So right. then the second round of COVID, like I said, hits and this factory closes down for good. They're not going to. Oh, gonna, no. Oh, yeah. So now I have to go through and AJG was great. They didn't charge me extra to find a new factory and everything. Mm, um, mm -hmm. But they were able to help me find a new factory in China and go through the whole prototyping process again. And people don't right. really understand what that's like. You know, you, I, I originally thought I was going to send those samples. Send what you already had. With my mom, right? Yeah. To this factory and they would copy it and send it back. Well, if you do it the right way, right, which is what we do now, you have to get fabric swatches and you have to make a tech pack and you have to get all of the sizing right for the sizing, all the different SKUs that you're going to sell. Right. And that all takes shipping back and forth. And it's about $150 to ship to China and back. And that adds up if you're doing yeah. 10 different, you know, five, 10 different iterations. So yeah. you get a prototype and then, no, we want to tweak this. And then let's set, let's back. Know, it goes, and then them, it comes back send and send a new one. Right. So it's, right. it's crazy. It takes a long time. Yeah. Um, so that was a big learning curve for me, but then we get set up with this new factory in, in China and things are going great, but their MOQs now aren't 200, they're 500 and I want to do men's and women's. Right. So that's a thousand units. That's a thousand and units. Yeah. That's, that's like pushing over, you know, like close to 15 grand. Right. Right. And so now I am kind of freaking out because this day is coming <laughs> and I'm also at the same time looking for mentorship. So one of the other great resources that I will, will recommend to people out there looking to start a business or, or running a business and need some mentorship is looking to score S C O R E. It's a government program. Right. Um, yes. I've heard of it. Gives you free, free mentorship. Yeah. Um, and, and the mentors I have are, are, are pretty good. Um, obviously if you can find someone in your industry with actual experience, in this running the same business that you have definitely go with that route right but these, like like i said you're going to get what you pay for and it's free so there there have been a great help and one of the things that they helped me do was um one of my mentors right now ran a business an apparel business and he had a lot of re, uh manufacturing contacts overseas so i have now transitioned from that factory and transitioned from alice james global right documenting everything that they've taught me and that yeah. i've done so I can yeah. use it now on my own and not have to to spend that money for a consulting company to help me right now, now i work directly with our factory overseas and so now i'm able to use that tech pack and i'm able to you know get all the SKUs right all the designs right if we if they send over a prototype i you know just take photos of it and put it up in illustrator and then provide my critiques and then just send it digitally to them. So it's a lot more efficient and a lot cheaper um, than going, again, going the old route. So right. now I have this great relationship. I just message the factory on WhatsApp. Obviously there's a time change to account for, but yeah. you know, they're, they're pretty good. I either talk to them in the morning or late in the evenings and I'm usually up working anyway. So it's right. perfect. Um, and so we, we've been able to really crank out some, some, products uh whether it's like the the single leg tights we're going through iterations even more iterations with them or our ace compression shirts um which we're we're redesigning and we have women's that actually i think just arrived today so i need to go pick those up and it'll be a, a bit it'll be a little bit before we get those on the website because we have to take photos and everything and get right yeah built out but yeah. um yeah it's so much more efficient and i wouldn't have been able to do it if i didn't take notes right. on that first that first round so long long story short um it took about 11 months seven manufacturers or seven factories and i think over a dozen prototypes from back and forth with all of those and i actually have a photo i think uh, i took it at my old apartment uh, just outside dc yeah. i laid them all out on the ground and then took i had to take a panorama right photo because it was just so many prototypes yeah. and it's so awesome to look back on because I was very naive back then, but I'm so happy that I started that journey and now I'm able to look back and I have so many recommendations for people if they reach mm -hmm. out to me just to help them overcome yeah. the issues that and not even have to face the issues that I went through back then. So right. it's quite a, quite a long story. Sorry to- Oh no, hey, there. no, that's great. I mean, you know, and, and as much as you know now, 
in five years we could have this conversation you'll say i didn't know anything back then exactly right? that, that's the beauty of it you know yeah we think we think we're learning we think we're learning well you are but we're always learning there's yeah. always more and, and and it's great because you don't know what you don't know so you had to start you had to have that middleman you had to you know and then you were smart enough to take in the knowledge and realize okay yeah now it's i can cut out that it's all costs right <laughs> bottom line you, you got to do as much as much as you know in the beginning as entrepreneurs we have to do everything ourselves mm -hmm. when you can learn as much as you can to, to continue to do it yourself that's just you know money in the bank so to speak so so yeah. you know, that's great um so let's talk about now you've got you know the product you've got the website did you reach out to any actual um national retailers or anything like that to try and get your products into the stores and things yes so that was a pretty long and stressful upsetting journey right. that i went on okay. um and, and i've since settled down from doing that and I, I i can get into a reason why after i tell the story but yeah i reached out to anybody from play it against sports to dick sporting goods right um, I have a list on my phone of, again, tracking that too, of contact info, phone numbers, submission requirements or details like Dick Sporting Goods doesn't actually allow you to call anybody at their buying department. You are given an address and you send the product. And oh, if okay. you hear back, congrats. If you don't <laughs> right. hear back, you don't you hear got back. your answer, right? Yeah, exactly. So. I've, I've done that. I contacted over 250 play it against sports locations. And we were actually in a few of them, um, which is they're, they're going very well. Uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm in Berghardt sporting goods as well, which is a smaller retailer in Wisconsin reached out to shields, which is a Midwest. And yeah. I think a little bit in the West coast sporting goods store. Um, and I knew them cause I went to shields growing up They're They're based in Fargo, North Dakota, but they're very popular in Minnesota. So every summer we would go shopping at shields and right. I was able to actually get on the call on a, on a call with their buying department. They love the product and as things happen, right. You, they agree to put, um, X amount of units in their top three stores. That was our deal. They were going to be in, in Colorado in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, or yep. Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And in Texas, okay. I can't remember where in Texas, but yeah. they were going to put our single leg tights in those three big, their three biggest stores. And, you know, as time goes on, they're dealing with issues of restocks due to COVID right. stuff is stuck at the ports. They're not sure how much inventory is going to be coming in. So they want to save room for obviously Nike takes priority and right. takes priority. So yeah. eventually that fizzles out and now can't reach out to them without, you know, I'm not going to hear back. So right. it's pretty frustrating. And yeah. I can, I can definitely relate to a lot of small businesses, especially in the apparel or a consumer product industries that, want to get into retail but at the end of the day you know i my mom's a math teacher so i i love looking at numbers i've been able to build out some financial charts and projections and obviously like it's no surprise that the business is most profitable when we sell on our e-commerce site so right, okay. the reason i've given up on on reaching out at least initially is because i want to focus on our paid media campaigns that are going to be starting soon website optimizations right. social content right um, and be able to build enough of a following and consistent revenue stream. Um, and maybe who knows with, with that, the brand awareness will increase and maybe someone from a retailer will reach out to me, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much where we've settled and our margins are so much better on our e-commerce site. So my hope is when we get the women's compression shirts up and these two new products that are going to be coming. And I also have a, a, a stretch idea that I'm going to be pursuing, uh, probably next year, um, when we get those products in and up and selling and our paid media is consistent, right. then I'll I'll start to reach out again once we have a little bit more of a, a solid base underneath the brand. So, right. Yeah. No, oh, that's awesome. Now, was there ever a point? I mean, let's face it, the, the fashion industry, A, is very fickle. I mean, you know, what's hot today is not tomorrow. Um, and then, like you say, you've named probably two of the biggest, right? Nike and Under Armour, especially in the sports apparel. Mm -hmm. What would make you think that, you know, 
Brandon Rogers from, you know, Minnesota could even compete with these guys. Like, did, did you have that in the back of your mind? Oh, I'm going to go, you know, head to head with the, the big boys or, or were you ever afraid that, oh shit, they're going to eat me alive. So why even try? Like, did any yep. of that ever enter your mind? That was the biggest, my, that was my biggest concern, right? That you were, you mentioned pretty early in this, in this interview, there, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are looking, not looking actively, but, you know, passively that thing in the back of their head is telling them, Oh, it's not ready yet. I'm right. not going to make it, you know, not don't even try. Yeah. I just said, screw it. I'm doing it. And I, I, while I was preparing to, to build this brand during COVID, I tried to come up with a few different ways that the brand could differentiate. And originally it was three. Now I'm down to two that we've really honed in on. Um, and I think that it, they do a good job of allowing us to differentiate even today, right? So to give you some background, we beat Nike to market. Nike actually came out with their own version of single leg tights. Um, They did a collaboration with Drake's Nocta brand. Um, But we we actually beat them to market by 17 months with our single leg tights. Yeah. So it's cool to see stuff like that because those tights were selling for $75 and then reselling on StockX for $250. Right. And we have a very similar product. You know, I would argue better because we've gotten reviews from our customers. Even NBA players say that they like our tights better than the the Nike ones they get from the NBA. But right. um, it's, it's, it's reassuring to see that, right? So the, the, the two differentiating factors I'll, I'll say are one, everything that we sell now and in the future will be asymmetrical in either design or structure. So really, really honing in on that overlap between fashion and sports. Yeah. The, there's the runway is now in the, in, in NBA stadiums, right? That Oh, absolutely. It's in, you know, before a football game, yeah, basketball game, guys are wearing anything that like Kyle Kuzma is a great example. He's wearing some, ridiculous stuff but it shows and it, yeah. it it gets views it gets results and it gets him probably better brand deals and and some, right, some for additional sure. revenue streams right yeah. so that's the kind of the 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 athlete that we're targeting with with these products is those right. athletes that want to stand out in a crowd yeah. these are products that have a functional aspect to them and I'll get into that but they're more purchased i i pulled our our um followers they're they're the 65% of our followers purchased or customers purchased because of the fashion aspect. Right now I say that though, um, to counter and say, there is also a functionality side of it. So this is a good story. When I was, uh, back home last Christmas, I'm just, you know, sitting at my parents' kitchen table, eating lunch. And I get a phone call from a woman in Canada and she says, um, is this level sports? And I say, yes, how can I help you? And she's, uh, she has a genetic disease where one of, I think there was an issue with uh, her right knee. And so she needed compression, but she only wanted it on one leg. Okay. And she's like, I have been looking for a product like yours for my whole life. And she wears a knee brace and the leg sleeve that the, that the default leg sleeve that comes with the knee brace is incredibly uncomfortable. And she says she's tried other leg sleeves. She's tried cutting um, compression gear. Those come unraveled. Leg sleeves fall your leg when you walk. So there's all kinds of issues. And so she's like, this product would be perfect. So she purchased two pairs, emails me a few days later after she got them. And she's like, this is incredible. They're they're amazing. And so I didn't even think about that initially starting the brand. And now we do have that additional target market of people that, need it for medical purposes. Right. Right. So that was awesome to see as well. Um, and then, sorry, going back, um, our first, uh, differentiating factor is the asymmetry, right? The devotion to asymmetry. The second one is a concept that I'm calling limited branding. So if you look at pretty much every Nike Under Armour Adidas product on the market today, they have slapped a logo out where everyone can see it and right. it turns the wearer into a walking advertisement <clears throat> for the brand. Yes. Now, now I get it. It's an effective strategy, right? And that's why brands like Louis Vuitton can charge $200 for a t-shirt yeah. and Gap can't. But in to flip that, right? And, and kind of going off like Japanese culture of doing things crazy and, and out there, to flip that on its head, I said, okay, 
J.R. Smith just got in trouble and fined a few years ago for wearing a Supreme arm sleeve. What if we could do something completely opposite of what all these other sportswear brands are doing and only brand our apparel in places that can be covered up in uh, game-worn apparel that can be covered up? Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're not going to run athletes into sponsorship conflicts at all. You can wear our gear, wear what's comfortable for you and not have to worry about it. And you know, another story is back when I was in high school, I had my favorite pairs of black and white Nike full length compression tights. Yeah. When I get to college, my college is sponsored by Under Armour and right. I wasn't allowed to wear those compression tights. I had to go out and purchase all new Under Armour compression tights because right. if the, the Under Armour rep showed up at a game and saw me wearing those, we'd get in trouble. Yeah. A logo should not determine what an athlete wants to wear. I understand that there's sponsorships and I understand there's brand deals and everything, but especially at the college level, maybe even at the professional level. It's why a lot of NBA, WNBA, PLL players wear our gear today because they can wear what's comfortable, what makes them look good right. without running into that that conflict. So right. those two are the biggest differentiating factors for for us. And I'm I'm really trying to hone in on that. Like the like I said, the products that are on their way are going to be they're going to be head turners. They're going to be pretty interesting. And, you know, to, to stay ahead of the curve, where I like to say a first mover or category creator yeah. in this asymmetrical sportswear space, that's what's going to allow us to differentiate and compete with Nike and Under Armour. Because if I'm first, this is actually a great story about, um, it overlaps with me being an SEO. I was able, because I was the first person, first brand to create the ace compression shirt or asymmetrical compression shirt right i am now ranking on google and bing and and and, and, you know all the search engines that that people search on nowadays for the brand or for the for the term ace compression shirt okay i was able to capitalize on that because i was levels was the first mover the, the the original creator of that name of that product and now i'm able to capitalize on all that traffic so right it's actually pretty crazy the 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 search volume for ACE compression shirt has actually overtaken levels or level sportswear. Okay. Because people see the product. Right. And yeah. They, they, they now associate that. So even if Nike were to come out with an ACE compression shirt, one, that would be awesome because I would totally take credit for them <laughs> yeah. copying the name. Yeah. But two, I was there. I, I was able, levels was able to get there first. Right. And so we're, we'll be able to capitalize on all that additional traffic. So, right. If you're going to start a company, this is what I always like to tell people that reach out to me, or even if you run a company right now and you're looking for additional traffic, try to adjust something or tweak something or even create something from scratch like I was able to do with these two products right now and give it a new name. Give it a name that makes sense, but it's unique and genuine. Don't call it a pink jeans or don't call it red t-shirts. Right. Call it something unique and then just pump out tons of content using that name so that people start to associate Kleenex with the brand Kleenex, right? right? Same thing with Ace Compression Shirts, same thing with, you know, a lot of the products today that that we don't band-aid, we don't really know, or people don't really know what the the, the, the true technical term for them is. So, <laughs> right, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting strategy that people don't don't often think about, but it's it's another way that we're able to differentiate from some of those larger players. Right. No, and that's awesome. And that in itself, you know, the the marketing and SEO. I mean, we I could have you back just to talk about that because that is probably one of the toughest areas. You know, you could have the best product in the world, and if nobody hears about it, nobody sees it. You know, it doesn't matter. So yeah. that that part, uh, the that that's a cool uh, concept that you added there. Come up with does not necessarily have to be different, but name it different and capitalize yeah, on that. Exactly. So that's that's cool. That's yeah. very cool. So and I, I like too that you know you talked about the lady from Canada who called. I like the fact that there was an avenue you haven't even considered that mm-hmm. somebody brought to light and you were open to it. You know, it's it's just not like no no close minded no no we're sports apparel. Mm-hmm. You have to you know be willing to go down a different road because sometimes, like you say, you may not be competing with people in that industry that are the Nikes and the Under Armors. You may be the next Nike and Under Armour in that area. So so you always right. got to be open to to what people may bring your way, even though you thought, nope, that's not who we are and that's not what we do. So, and I think, I think 
in that same regard, right? It's it's a medical solution. And what people don't often realize is arm sleeves or shooting sleeves were also born out of a medical solution. Right. So in, I think it was January 19th or January 20th of 2001, Alan Iverson was suffering from elbow bursitis. So he had to go get surgery, but he was, you know, being like most athletes are and saying to his trainer, no, I'm fine. Just, I'm good. Just I'm good. Reduce. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Keep me in coach. Yeah. And his trainer, Lenny Courier, just goes over and gets a swath of um, spandex material, right? It was essentially pantyhose. Right. And he cuts off a little section of it and he pulls it up over his arm. Pulls it up over his arm, right. To provide some extra compression and that, that to help the elbow bursitis. And he ends up dropping 50 that game and ends up averaging 35, taking the, the Sixers to the playoffs that year. Right. Then the arm sleeve takes off and he never takes it off same same situation right maybe not like it was could have been designed for um knee inflammation or to to provide some comfort under a knee brace that's why i was so open to it because i was like oh there's a lot of there's a lot of correlation here and and to go back to your earlier point about like the longevity and the the trendy nature of a lot of these products right the arm sleeve that was 2001 yeah arm sleeves are still very very popular so that's why i'm pretty confident that even though this is a new trend, I think it's going to be pretty consistent here in the next few years. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you always got to be, you know, ride the wave of the old stuff or prepare to bring out the new stuff like, like you're doing. So, so that's awesome. So, you know, before, before we start wrapping things up here, talk to me a little bit about, because I don't know if a lot of the listeners be involved with this, with, uh, you know, trademarking and, and patents. And I know, you know, that that's a whole other game in itself, but just maybe drop a little bit of um, knowledge on that for what you had to go through with that. Yeah. My stance on that has changed drastically since when I first filed. Right. Um, Lawyers are expensive. (laughs) Yes, they are. Lawyers are very, very expensive. I have had two lawyers or legal legal teams help me. Um, One, I think, was $395 an hour. And the other is now four hundred ninety-five dollars an hour just for a phone call or to or yes. to email back and forth. Yeah. So keep that in mind. If you don't have the capital, <laughs> be right. a first mover. Try to capitalize on that early traffic, on that early you know trend to the to the product or, or service, whatever you're selling. Um, I the first lawyer that I went through was uh, based in Maryland, and they were able to help me with a trademark and patent search. Um ended up adding a little bit of a differentiator to our single leg tights. And so that's patent pending right now. Right. Um, but I had to add a little bit of a differentiator because there was a, an existing product out there. Um, and so I was able to do the search with this one company um, or legal team. And then I was able to to get contact or connected with a separate one through a friend of a friend um, who I trusted a little bit more and they're, they've been helping me, but they're more expensive. So right. um the trademark is uh, a cheaper process, and there's two different types of patents. You can get a utility patent or a design patent. Utility patent is um, it, it offers some sort of differentiating utility, right? So, for example, if it's you know a mouse, um, is the mouse offering you some sort of different utility as opposed to just being the color red versus the color black, right? Right design would be if you want to qualify for a design patent then you know adding a a cool feature or a a, you know a different material that's where you're going to pursue a design patent and that's what i actually had to pursue because um the utility patent was actually no longer available and there's also the issue that you have to account for of um i don't know what the, the legal term for it is but uh it's 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 when you present your product or sell your product out into the world right. you have one year before your expiration date of when you can apply for a design patent okay and so okay that's another issue that i ran into <clears throat> was i was cutting it very close because i didn't even think about it i didn't, didn't know, know right it. yeah and i had i had like i said i'd been documenting my story on instagram um, and facebook and i had been showing the product off and I barely made the cut of a year before I had to file for that patent. And I, right. I was lucky enough to get it in. But if you're you know, interested in doing that, make sure you keep that in mind. I, I'm not sure what the date is on a design or a utility patent. I, I might be the same, but, but definitely do some research. Um, 
yeah, so I was able to get the trademark and the the patent for the single leg tights um, in, and now we're running into a lot of issues with the trademark because there's uh, companies in, in there's a company in California that has the um, word LVLS pending, but they haven't used it for okay. two years, and it's right. it's expired. But they've renewed it, so now I have to pretty much wait. Um, and I thought I was going to get lucky. And once it expired, I was able to just, you know, slide right in and, yeah. and take advantage, but they've, they've renewed it for some reason, but they're not using it for anything. So it's a little bit weird. So you right. might run into some odd issues like that as well. Right. Some odd conflicts. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else would be valuable as far as patenting. I, so the reason I say that my stance has changed on this topic is yeah. because if you get a let's let's work through hypotheticals here right let's say i get this this patent and then nike comes out with their single leg tights again they've they've stopped selling them but there was a limited drop but let's say that they do and then under armor comes out with some there's thousands of knockoffs on amazon right. and walmart nowadays right if i get the patent what am i gonna i don't have the capital to pay for a legal team to pursue it's all of go and sue everybody right exactly so yeah. i will have this patent and it'll pretty much be useless the only reason i would it would be valuable is if i end up selling the company and exiting. selling the company and that right. intellectual property is what they're able to to capitalize on so i mean i'm happy i'm going through it and i'm happy i'm i i could still get it yeah. um still like i said it's still patent pending but if you're early in the in the process right and you are you don't have a lot to throw at this i would say try alternate routes try uh if it's a if it's a, so a, a software product right it's going to be a little bit easier because you have you know that intellectual property you're the one that built it if right. no one can really deconstruct it if there's like some some gated system to it right that you can protect it a little bit better if you are like coca-cola and you have a recipe that it's going to be very difficult to deconstruct you right. can protect that a little bit right but it's it's like I said, it's going to be very difficult if you have a physical product and you don't have the capital to either pursue the patent or defend the patent. So yeah. if I could do it all over again, I actually wouldn't get the patent because I would have so much more inventory to then use on paid media and on inventory. <laughs> right. So it's a little bit tough, right? Because you have to either be extremely risky and you know go to a bank and take out a loan or try to get a, a, an sba loan whatever whatever your avenues are investors yeah right that adds a lot of risk and that's yeah. something that's an avenue that i didn't want to go down just yet because i want to see if i can bootstrap this thing as long as possible right so sure figure out where your priorities lie if you're more you know risk averse act accordingly so it's uh it's 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 a tough subject because it really depends on the person right yeah no and that's great advice because like you say you know all the patent in the world doesn't mean anything if you don't have the money to to help you exactly. out if you need to so yeah. uh but no that's great advice so is there any advice you would give you know looking back now over what you've documented that somebody's looking at getting into the fashion world right and that's you know i've done a lot of shit in my life fashion is not one i've ever thought of i've i've, <laughs> I've, I've dabbled with the fragrance side of things um but not the fashion side um so you know if you were to start again if you were to give some advice you talked about mentorship you know and and i preach that all day long it's probably you know the best thing you can do for yourself is get yourself a mentor so here you are you're the fashion mentor what do you what kind of advice are you going to give for somebody just looking to start out the most important thing i say to everybody that that questions me about this is creativity and differentiation it is so easy to slap a logo on a t-shirt and call it a t-shirt brand right right that's easy which is why everyone does it which is why it's incredibly difficult to make any money and grow right. the brand and capitalize on any of that you have to find ways to push traditional industries or legacy industries in new ways that make people turn their heads that make people scratch their heads that confuse people that anger people right right yeah you have to find ways to differentiate and that comes with creativity i think creativity is the number one you know most important feature of an entrepreneur aspect characteristic of an entrepreneur to have right so that's that's number one um <clears throat> it gets a little there's a pretty big drop off between that and like the next 
2000 that you'll need. Right. Yeah, so it's, yeah. and it also depends on the industry. So I guess as far as if someone were to come with me in the apparel space and they have a unique product um, that really stands out, then my next question is going to be, okay, what is your target market and how and why are they going to like it? How are you going to talk to them? Right. Are you going to be the humorous brand like Slim Jim? Or are you going to be the more sophisticated, you know, where we're here for the athletes like a Nike? And right. then you really have to hone that in. And a lot of times it's just going to take time. You just have to fail a lot. I look right. back on some of the early graphics and the early logos that I designed for this company. And it's, they're horrible. They're terrible. <laughs> but you probably didn't think that at the time. I thought they were awesome at the yeah, time. Yeah. So it's, it's just going to take time. And it sucks because I wish I could just, you know, implant everything that I've gone through so that that entrepreneur will know. But a lot of the times it'll bring you down an avenue that you wouldn't even have tried, like, thought right. to go down because right. you were able to go experience all those setbacks and yeah. successes, whatever it may be. So like a lot of the products that we sell right now, a lot of the designs, a lot of the social media content is all a result of tried that. Nope. Didn't like it. Right. Nope. Failed. Nah, that didn't hit as well as I thought it would. Let's, let's keep going with a different route. Yeah. Test as much as possible. And that even goes for your personal life, right? I'm learning how to code. I'm learning 3D CAD design. I learned Photoshop, like test everything that you can get your hands on, figure out what you're really good at. And that might even, you might even be able to rope that into your, into your brand and right. your enthusiasm will help it take off even more so. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm glad you brought up failure and, and, you know, you said fail and try again. And I think you have to, to be able to truly appreciate the success Right. Uh, I think back to where you talked about, you know, when those first prototypes came and you saw it, you know, actually, holy here, here it actually is, you know, that's a proud moment. That's a proud papa moment. Right. Like I, I've always oh, yeah. said, you know, your businesses are your children. Right. We bring yep. them up from from, you know, concept. We were just thinking about them and now here they are. But but. If you have it handed to you, and it's like anything, like you said, even life, if you have it handed to you, you don't appreciate it as much as if you worked for it, you failed, you worked for it, you failed, and then all of a sudden there it is. Mm -hmm. Right. So yep. that's, so and, that's, and, great. and to that, to that point, right? I, I like to share this because it is probably one of my biggest failures when running this company was that factory that was about to close down. We were actually in the process of prototyping some asymmetrical t shirts. Right. And they were rushing, right, to just get it out the door. And I was kind of a little bit, you know, feeling a little bit sped up because of their lack of uh, timeline, right? Yeah. And so I just said, all right, screw it. Let's just go to bulk production and send it over. Those I paid about $3,500 for 200 t-shirts. And when they got here, they were 100% cotton, very thick not athletic at all, not stretchy. Right. I couldn't really get the neck or the, over my head because they didn't stretch very, very well because it was just this, it was terrible. Right. I ended up having to just donate those and cancel that line. And it was very, very tough because for a small business, that's $3,500. $3,500, yeah. That's a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, so that's going to happen. But because of that, now... I'm able to communicate with my factory and we go through three or four different prototyping iterations before I'm, I'm even thinking about placing a book order. So right. it's trial and error for everybody. Yeah. Right. No, that's great. Listen, Brandon, you know what? I've kept you for an hour. And uh, like I said, everything we've talked about, we could probably break it down and talk for an hour. I wouldn't mind having you back sometime to talk about just SEO and marketing. We didn't even really get to yeah. touch on that much, but, but I think you've got a great product. Like I said, I showed it to my son. Uh, we'll be placing an order afterwards. You know, he, he's a football player, but like we talked about before too, right? With the younger guys, especially, you know, I'll say maybe the football, maybe basketball as well. It's about the drip, right? It's about, you look at me, yep. look at me, right? And yep. when it can be functional and look at me, well, now you're on to something. So, and that sounds yeah. like what you got. So um, I appreciate it. So any last words before we wrap things up? I think I've said this enough, but it, please reach out to me if you're an entrepreneur and you maybe need some mentorship or you just want to ask me some questions, need some advice. 
I'm always answering DMs on on our uh, levels Instagram and my personal, um, which I can I can give out. Uh, yeah, to go you ahead. To put in the show notes, or I guess I could do it right now. It's just yeah, Brandon Rogers. Brandon Eleven Rogers is my Instagram account. I probably will be most uh responsive on there so reach out to me personally or just dm the the brand um we're on all social media platforms as just level sportswear lvls sportswear um and yeah to all the entrepreneurs out there i'm working on another a a number of other projects that have to do with that that sort of journaling and that entrepreneurial journey because i i love entrepreneurship like i said it's yeah podcast books you know, networking events, whatever I can get my hands on, I'm all for it. So please reach out to me. Don't be hesitant to to take that leap and just contact that manufacturer or launch that website, whatever it may be, go for it. Cause it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I can guarantee like I've learned more in the past two years of running this business than I did in four years of college. So right. it's, it's an awesome journey. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Well, listen, Entrepreneur Nation, you know what? We will put Brandon's contact information in the show notes so you can check it out and check out the website and everything. But I want to thank you for allowing, you know, taking this hour, allowing Brandon and I into your lives. I hope you got some education. I'm sure you did. If you didn't, you you either fell asleep or you're listening to the wrong show. But, you know, some education, some inspiration. Like like I said, here's a young guy. You know what? I know he's mid-20s started this in COVID and hasn't looked back. So stop with the excuses, right? Let's take the time, do your research, and let's turn those dreams into reality. Now, I don't have a golden nugget prepared. I was kind of, you know, I got caught up in some other things. Normally, I, I drop a little bit of wisdom. I think Brandon has helped us with that. He's left us with some wisdom. So I'm going to wrap it up like that. As always, if you haven't done it yet, hit that subscribe button. I want to take this journey with you entrepreneurship is is my life i love it um like brandon says you know what there's no other thing that you're gonna find brings you more joy um and more happiness and more frustration on some days but but you forget the frustration after it all comes together you forget that frustration so once again brandon thank you for joining us i appreciate it and entrepreneur nation see you soon stay safe Hey, everybody. I just wanted to thank you for joining us on today's episode. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you got some education. I hope you got some inspiration to help you on your way and your journey to becoming that entrepreneur you know you deserve to be. Now, listen, if there's anything you're struggling with, any questions you would like answered, any subject you would like us to cover, reach out to me. And if you're somebody who would like to be a guest on the show to share your knowledge, to share your inspiration, to help that next group of entrepreneurs get to where they want to be, I would love to have you on the show. Once again, thanks for listening. Truly appreciate you. Now go out there and start turning that dream into a reality.